Hello, and welcome to Call and Response, a blues podcast. I'm your host, Ben Forrester. Let's introduce this week's guests. This week, I have another pair of guests on the show, uh, a power couple, if you will. Um, they have both performed on stage and in the studio with many, many musicians, uh, everyone from Eric Burden, Spencer Davis, uh, Randy Newman, Neil Diamond, Delbert McClinton, um, Lightning Hopkins, all, just a wide range of serious uh, musicians and blues players and songwriters. And uh, together they have their own band um, and they write their own songs. They were Grammy nominated. So um, please welcome this week to the show. Teresa James and Terry Wilson of Teresa James and the Rhythm Tramps. Thank you for having us, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. How are you guys doing with the whole pandemic? How have you survived it and and all of that made it through? We're, we're totally ready for it to go away and leave us the hell alone. It's, uh, it's you know, it's the weirdest thing I've been through in my lifetime. Yeah. One would hope that that was the weirdest thing for sure. You know, I mean, my problem is I'm just now I'm used to being home, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the scary part. That is the scary part is that it's, it's a whole, it's been just a whole different reality. You know, it's going to be interesting, Ben, to see how much music product gets released, how many songs are going to be written about this event. Yeah. And how it's affecting, you know, kids growing up, you know? Sure. There's definitely going to be a lot of that. It's going to have a big effect on the young people today. I, I mean, it's so. teenagers, college age kids. To have your life just come to a screeching halt. Yeah, it's already a little bit uh, challenging for them to begin with. So this might be uh, a bit of a, a strange like roadblock. Like, a, can they continue? Pick it up and continue. You know, where where do where do they go? Where do we go from here? Yeah. Well, I I think what I'm finding is that as you know, like. As you go to a restaurant now, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't take long for it to feel normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like, you know, the the looking far ahead in terms of planning things, you know what I mean? When you realize that your life can just stop. Yeah. It's a whole different way of, you, t- I, I, you know, I, I went through something just really small when I was in high school, but it kind of made me realize that it's every day. It's day to day. It's not what's happening in five years. It's, yeah. It's you're living your life as it's happening, you know, yeah. which is not necessarily a bad thing. No, I think pe- some people need to, or a lot of people need to come back to that, like live now, not so. It's nice to think about the future, but also, yeah, enjoy yourself. It's life. Yeah. One thing no positive on. that's come from this is that we've perfected our margarita recipe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think I've I've perfected a few cocktails myself. <laughs> are, are you into limoncello? No, uh, not really. But I was in Italy uh, yes. last yes. year, where they where they make the limoncello, and that was just it was delicious. Well, that's been my new hobby this year. Is I've okay. been making limoncello. So you you ferment the the lemon juice and everything. Well, you don't actually. Does you don't even do that. It just you just soak the lemon rind in the really strong, tasteless alcohol, and, okay. and it's the oils from the rinds that give it flavor. It's actually really it's... easy, and and the fun part is like, does this take too sweet? Should we add more? Okay, here, have some. Should we try? You know, how's that? You know? <laughs> and then by the end, you're like, I don't know if it's right or not, but I'm having fun. So okay, it, <laughs> it's all a good know, time. 
Anyway. <laughs> we've, had, we've done limoncello, pear cello. Okay. Pomegranate cello. Myers limoncello, which is kind of like an orange lemon. Okay. And the pear cello was really good. It reminded me from Germany, was it Offershaft? It's the apple um, schnapps kind okay. of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have like, they make a schnapps out of everything here. Yeah. <laughs> In the first sip, it reminded me the first time I've had it when I, back in the early 80s, I was over there with Eric Bird in Berlin, and we walked to Checkpoint Charlie to go to East Berlin. Okay. And as soon as we walked through East Berlin, it's like they turned the color off the TV set. Yeah, that's but, a good way to describe it. And But, but we did find a, a, a restaurant bar that looked kind of funky, but once we walked in, and it was a, a really cool place with the most beautiful women. Okay. Waiting the tables, and that was the first time I've had that apple schnapps drink. And uh, so, anyway, I thought of that when we discovered this pear cello. So, pear cello. So, you basically, if it has a skin and it's a fruit, you've made a cello out of it. Well, what it was, <laughs> it was for a while there, there's a company called um, Harry and David. I don't know if you know them or not. No, but I don't they, know this one. Someone signed us up for the fruit of the month, and we kept getting pears, and we had all these <laughs> pears, and we were just like, you know, you can really only eat so many pears. Yeah. You know, start drinking so this. Like, you know, you know, I also make a lot of jam, so it's just like when I see it, when I have too much of any fruit, it's like, <coughs> should I make jam or should we try and drink with it? You know, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> let's let's go drink. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. So, you're vaccinated. Also, that's always a that's a good sign. We did the Moderna. We did the uh, Dolly Parton vaccine. Okay, the Dolly Parton, nice. And no complications. Everything's good. No, you know that night or the next day, I felt a little funky, a little foggy. Okay. Slightly fluy, but nothing. It wasn't radical. So. Awesome. Yeah, I was down pretty much the next day, but it, you know, I, I felt crappy, but then I knew I wasn't sick, so. You know, it's okay to feel that bad if you know, you know what I mean? If you know there's not really it anything. Outweighs. I just kept thinking, man, I can't imagine feeling like this and not being able to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it's, it. it just, yeah. So yeah. let's, let's talk about early on. You guys both come from Texas, right? Yeah. But yep. did you, did you know each other growing up or is this just a coincidence? No. At the time when we met, I was coming back and forth living in London. Okay. And we would come home for Christmas holidays to see my family. And Tony Bronigal, the drummer producer, uh, he and I were living in London together. We put the band together around Paul Kossoff with, from Free, which was Backstreet Crawler. And then when Paul passed away, we replaced him with Jeff Whitehorn, who's, who goes out with Purple Hair on now. And um, and then uh, around '79, Rabbit John Rabbit Bundrick, the keyboard player, got an offer to join the Who. Okay. Which is kind of who's going to refuse that? Yeah. You know. And uh, so Tony and I decided to go back to Texas, and we started doing gigs around there. And uh, Teresa and I had a mutual buddy who was a Cajun sax player, Bubba Roban. Bubba. 
uh, <laughs> he, was, he was booking a gig for his wife's corporate Christmas party, and uh, that's where I met Teresa. I was okay. still living in Houston at the time, so okay. was, you know. So, so yeah, booked the band for the party, and we met, and I guess the rest is history because that was a long time ago. So okay, so then you got, was that like the beginning of Teresa James and the Rhythm Tramps, or was that? No, actually, Terry and Tony were just kind of stopping off. They were on their way to move okay. out here to Los Angeles. Okay. Ben, there's been a couple different versions of the Rhythm Tramps starting in London, where we'd go out and tour with Kossoff and Backstreet Crawler, but when we'd come back to London, we'd, we missed playing Texas Blues, so we started booking gigs, and we needed a name for the band. Okay. And the Rhythm Tramps just seemed to fit the roving mu musicians that were coming in and out of the circle of players. Cool because we had different singers besides Terry Slessa from Backstreet Crawler. Frankie Miller would show up, Stevie Lango from Night, my Lango's ex-wife. Um, uh, Paul, the, what was Paul's last name? He sang with uh, Blinded by the Light. Uh, what's the British band? Oh, the, I know the, the name. Um, um, it's on the tip of my tongue. They, they've been together 40 years. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they always play in Germany, too. Like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Big, great band. You know, they yeah, have, yeah. They have a lot of hits, too. Anyway, Paul was the lead singer in that band. Uh, so we just had, you know. Manfred Mann. Manfred right? Mann. That's it. I was on the, oh, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> so the Rhythm Trips has always had a, a, a musical chairs group of guys coming and going. Teresa used to count how many drummers we used to have to go to sleep. No, you know what? So still, sometimes when I can't sleep, I'm thinking, okay, drummers. And then I just, and then I, I it's hard to get through the drummers. You know? Okay. <laughs> Our players. Usually I don't make it, you know. Some people all. count sheep. You count drummers. Well, when you live in LA, the thing, you're right, exactly. So sheep. Um, but when you live in LA, everybody, it costs a lot to live here, you know, and yeah, a lot of the best so of the different. best players live out here. So they have to be able to go out on the road and be available for the money gigs. Cause there's, you know, there's no money in just playing, you know, so. it had to be the same thing for you in New York. Yeah. The, that's why the, I moved the, to Europe. All the musicians in that, in that city, when I was there back in the seventies was just, you know, amazing. So. Yeah. And it's, well, it's such a jazzy place and, yeah, there, there's also a lot of dreamers there, so it kind of gets overly flooded pretty quickly. Yeah, well, the same here. Everybody comes out here to be a star, you know, yeah. or to to be the next big, you know, music guy for the TV and movie industry or whatever. Yeah. You know. But it's it's awesome though because coming from Houston, I mean, there's a lot of great players in in Texas, of course, yeah, you know. Sure. But but coming out here, I was so in awe because everybody we play with the first band really that we put together well was uh well we had some of the guys from eric's band right but the but the real first real band that we put together was jack bruno and paul warren who had just come off the road with tina turner you know and it's like everybody that we played with was like oh yeah and i play with this guy and that guy and this guy and that yeah. guy, you know and it was, i was you know but it was so amazing because i got so much better so fast playing with those guys when we first went back to houston to do some gigs my a couple of my buddies hunter was going he's going 
just like, what have you been doing? And I just yeah. said, well, I'm just trying to keep up out there. You know I mean? You, <laughs> you know I mean? You sing. And then all of a sudden there's this unbelievably exciting searing guitar solo. And then I'm thinking, I got to somehow take it back from that. Yeah. You know? So Absolutely. then you just kind of go, okay, okay. You know, kind of like, you know, the Hendrix who right thing, yeah. you know, Absolutely. Pop, it's like, oh, you're doing that. Okay, fine. And I'm going to do this, you know. So when, when I moved back to Houston after London, I stayed home six, seven, eight months, and I knew I was going to end up in LA. Uh, and I was out here about a year and a half, two years before I could talk trees into moving out okay. to LA from Houston. But she had a great band together back, back there with some really eclectic, cool musicians. They had a band called The Cheaters. And it was the the main guy, Tony Tabuato, was a Cuban guy uh, that moved to the States and grew up listening to the Beatles. Okay. But he had this Cuban influence on kind of British pop kind of. That's tones. interesting. It, it was, was it was cool. Very interesting and very fun. So, yeah. So when my band broke up, <laughs> came out. The, to... Let's go to L.A. Cool. And um but I guess uh, I read on your website early on that uh, you you, were, you started playing piano like fairly early on. Yeah, I was like five. I started, well, I studied classical piano. Okay. You know, but I mean, you're still on the, the Up into high school. And then in high school, you know, I started playing with other people, you okay. know, and then I kind of had to forget the cla everything about the classical because I don't know if studying classical music it's more like you read the music and it goes to your hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not so much your brain really isn't all that involved in terms of like, oh, what should I do next? It's like, it's right there. That's what There's you less do. interpretation. So, yeah, yeah. So I had to kind of, I mean, luckily, I mean, I had all the theory and all that stuff behind me. So it was and technique, you know, so it wasn't that hard, but, but it's a whole different skill set, you know? Yeah. So, so then how did you come to the blues and, and soul and all this great music? I have always been attracted to music that felt real, you know, I, I'm, you know, to when I, and, and I'm obviously a singer, I know I listen to singers, that's what I, that's what I get off on, you know, but it's, I have to believe it, you know, I, I don't care if your voice is perfect, if I'm, if, if you're not singing something that I, it's making me feel something, you know, like when I heard Janice, it was like, when I heard her do like Big Mama's Ball and Chain, you yeah. know, that was kind of one of the big things. And then when my brother brought home Big Mama's uh, Hound Dog. Okay. I mean, that kinda... that was just like a curtain lifted, you know? I'm like, okay. wow, that is cool. Because, you know, I was a Beatle fan and I was into folk music. I mean, I grew up with a bunch of Western swing. And I mean, it, you know, it, living in Texas, you get exposed to all kinds of music. Yeah, that's one of those places that's like a melting pot of various well, things such a varied history and all those a lot you know a lot of that stuck around yeah. you know so you've been in 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 my lifetime i know you're i got a few years on you but growing up with fm radio in southern americana radio mm -hmm. you would hear george jones and then you would they would go to stevie wonder or jimmy yeah. reed and the mix uh, the music had a soul pop bluesy side of it but growing up where we 
grew up, there was a, some people refer to it as the Golden Triangle because between Fort Worth, Houston, Port Arthur, New Orleans, the amount of musicians that came from that area. And you're talking some jazz, really great jazz players yeah. who ended up playing country. Yeah. Because that's where the work was. Sure. And if you go back and listen to Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys, these are badasses. I mean, this, well, that was basically big band with two fiddles. You yeah. Know, kind <laughs> yeah. Of, you know. So definitely you know there was there was a real melting pot of music and and but you had pockets chicago detroit uh philly new york memphis nashville florida uh houston la there was a melting pot regionally everywhere you go that has been watered down through corporate owned radio that's that's programmed by some guy in Boca Raton, Florida. Yeah. yeah. So you kid, the people you have to go looking for things basically. Now, although you know what, there's some really cool podcasts where they play a really eclectic bunch of music. But yeah, when we came up, it was just like you know you had good. And radio. even now, I mean, like Delbert McClinton. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if if your folks know who he is, but he's like sure. amazing. But yeah. he's. You know, he's never been huge, I guess, because as as sort of like we do, it's it's you go ahead and let all those influences come in. That's you know, it's best. not like you're trying to go, no, we are this kind of band. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just about music. I remember I toured with this jazz guy, Kirk Whalem, who is a Houston fellow. He's urban jazz. But he used to always say, you know, there's really just two kinds of music, the kind you like and the kind you don't like. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, it's, and if you sell, my theory is, my thing is, it's about the song. If you sell the song, and how does this, this, should this song be a little bit more country? Should this song be a little more rock? Should this, you know, if you sell that and sing it really for real, then people aren't going to care what the style of music is. If you bring them into it with you and help them experience it as. Yes, I totally I agree. I'm, I'm just really getting it. No, no, I agree. It's, it's, it's about the emotion it. of the song. Absolutely. I 100% you need yeah. a good, you got to start with a good song. It, it, that's number I know. one. And you know, I've always, I, I remember distinctly in seventh grade, sitting in my living room, I had a little folk trio with two girls. We all played guitars and we all, and we sang harmony. And I re, we were doing a song about, a folk song about the civil war in America, you know, and I'm, mm -hmm. I remember so distinctly going, saying, don't you get it though? I mean, her boyfriend's going off to war and she's sad and we need to sing it with more feeling, you know, and yeah. <laughs> looking back now, it's so, so cute and innocent, you know, but even back then it was about, no, it's about what it's about. It's not, you know. The, the Yeah, you understood the meaning and the purpose of the lyrics and what they were trying to, to say with their song. Exactly. I've been, uh, I got kind of recruited to teach, um, blues improv and um american roots singing at this um, music college out here and i'm all okay. you know to me i just the one thing i want to inspire in the in the performance students that i'm working with is you know anybody can learn a song and sing it in tune mm. and have it sound really nice but what are you bringing to the song that's going to make me want to hear you sing exactly 
Yeah. You have to, you have to put something of yourself into it. Otherwise it's just whistling, you know, in the dark. Yeah. You know? it's a just regurgitation. Like, oh, that sounds good. Right. Yeah. Although, you know, nowadays a lot of that, the, the, a lot of music nowadays, they manufacture that. Well, uh, you know what I mean? It's, I don't, that I didn't can't, that's not to do it, You know, so I used to do a lot of song demos here in Los Angeles. Okay. That was, boy, that paid our bills a lot of times in the old days. But, you know, the first time I went in to do a pop demo and they said, okay, here's how it goes. And I'd sing them and they go, okay, let's double that. Okay, let's triple that. Okay, let's, let's just go ahead and do one more track of that. And I'm like... So you basically you just want to water down every possible hint of emotion yeah. in the song just to yeah. have it be like, in your face. <laughs> yeah, and then they, yeah. so then we would do like three tracks of four tracks of harmonies, and then we would do wow. counter melodies and stuff, you know. And then so then after every time after that, when somebody would call me to do a song demo, I'd say, "Well, what kind of song is it?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> when they'd say, "How much do you charge?" I'd say, "Well." Um, <laughs> we have different rates. Actually, the first thing you say is, where's the studio? Yeah, <laughs> because, then you have an idea of what's going on. Well, one time I gave them a price and they said, great, it's in Laguna Beach, which is like 80 miles from my house. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. It's a day trip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I get a room? Yeah. So you guys moved out to L.A. And and then when you're in L.A. now, how does the do you guys start writing songs together or how does that kind of like start happening now that you're building this foundation as a band well terry is it, a very prolific in the writer. beginning i don't think we were doing something together we were just trying to pay the rent no. yeah we <laughs> she started doing sessions and and developing a whole different side of things once people started hearing her sing and the fact that she could read. Yeah. And, and uh, we, you ever heard of Roger Kellaway? No, I don't know. I don't know. He, he's in his 80s, amazing. Jazz pianist. He was Bobby Darren's musical director. Okay. And and he had the uh, uh, Roger Kellaway string quartet. Wow. And these guys... They did acid for a year and recorded <laughs> all the time. Okay. Some really out shit. Yes, yeah, sure. Let's broadcast that like around the world for Roger. I'm so, sure he's well, he excited. <laughs> <laughs> after all that acid, for sure. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, flashbacks. Uh, uh, there's there's a husband and wife lyric, uh, Alan and Marilyn Bergman. Okay. They've done so much Broadway musical stuff. If you look them up. You'll be blown away. Endless list. Uh, but Roger was doing this uh, piece, and he called Teresa to, to come sing it. So we went over to his house. I brought my laptop for the recording, and and he wrote out every everything was written out, and she can read it. And rarely does that happen in a singer, yeah, who can really read. And I saw Roger actually get tears in his eyes <laughs> because. <laughs> He had never had anybody sing his melody right. Wow. So word got around on her that she could sing and, and emote and read at the same time. So she's done well with that, with a really established old school Burt Bacharach, Randy Newman. Yeah, I did, did, um, yeah, I did uh, some sessions for Burt Bacharach. And wow. The first time he, you know, 
well, he's like working with him is like working with royalty. You know yeah. what I mean? And carries himself. I can I mean, he's a guy, but he didn't know me, but I, I had come recommended a bunch. So he had me come to his house. Wow. First, which was pretty interesting. And, and so he said, well, I was thinking what I would, he said, he wrote it all out on the lead sheet, but he said, I thought I would go in and record it and record myself singing it. So you can hear exactly how I want it. And so we go into his living room and he's got like the white grand piano and <laughs> like Grammys and Emmys and Oscars and everything on his mouth, everything. you know, it's really intimidating. And, and he sits down at the piano and then he said, um, <laughs> he said, I was, if you don't mind, could you hold this for me while I sing? And he brought out one of those old timey pioneer cassette recorders. Oh, wow. This is like, it's like not real that demo. Long ago. I mean, maybe 10 <laughs> years ago, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Oh, oh, okay. So I had to hold it in front of his <laughs> mouth. You know, it was just, it was wacky. But, but my point being that, so I had a cassette, you know, a cassette and also the lead sheet. And then the session was coming up in like a, a week or so. And then a few days later, I get a phone call from him and he's saying, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, um, in bar 23, that dotted quarter note should actually be a quarter note and a dotted, eight, you know, what I know. And I'm like thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to sit down and work on this some more, you know, because <laughs> I tend to, you know, I always try to learn the song like they want it. Yeah. But, and, but also feel it. Exactly. Have a little bit of creative freedom with what you know, their so idea is. Okay, not going to happen on this gig, you know. Yeah, he wants what he wants. He wants what, and he's Bert, and I charged him a fortune. So I'm like, you got it, he's man. He's going to get what he gets. He so it took a while for, when she moved out here, we just had a lot of irons and different fires because this is what you do here. Yeah. And, uh, and there was more, there was more studio work back then because there were the A players that got all the TV movie stuff, mm -hmm. and there was a small handful of those. And the rest of us did, uh, you know, album projects or demos and stuff. So there was a market for making a living because there were still studios open before everybody yeah. home studio. Home studio. Yeah. Yeah, we just yeah starting out. Yeah. The one thing though, one of the main reasons though that that it kind of we started doing that was because when we had our daughter, we realized that we couldn't be going off on the road all the time because as we were talking about earlier about the Chitlin circuit, yeah. right? You know, it's like we weren't touring at the kind of level where we could bring a nanny. Exactly. Or you know what I mean, or we didn't have a bus that she, you know, whatever. So. So Terry went to work and started writing like crazy in the studio, you know, and we were still recording and we were still doing what we did, you know, together. But, you know, so I started going out and trying and getting more, more um, recording stuff, okay. which worked out, which worked out really well because I ended up getting in to doing a lot of some TV and movie stuff. Too. That's cool. So, so you really kind of broadened your capabilities and what you could do and, it wasn't just, oh, I play live shows. You did a lot of, or your yeah. own music. You did a, yeah. as much as and, you possibly could. And and started getting some mailbox money, which is That's cool. really awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mailbox fact, money. I like that. <laughs> I got a residual check the other day for 89 cents, you know? Wow. <laughs> you know, whatever. I'll take yeah. it. Sure. Why not? Some of the, a lot of 89 cents checks will add up eventually. 
Yeah, just don't hold on to them. I used to hold on to my checks, all those little ones, and I took them in one time, and there was a, six, a one for 16 cents that didn't clear, and it cost me $20. Oh, <laughs> no. I held it too long, and the bank, they had changed banks or something. I don't know what oh. it was, but, you know, I was just like, oh, man, you know, so. Unbelievable. Just yeah, but there. actually, Paulie, uh, the first the first podcast I did was with Paulie, and um, he was like, he actually said that if anyone needs music, they need to call Terry Wilson because he's like a writing machine. He is. He, <laughs> that's he what is I hear. Prolific, and so that's very nice. Wow, coming from Paulie, man. Well, and he writes all kind of stuff. Terry yeah. does. So he, you really just kind of. Is it is it only blues or do you have like just oh, I feel like writing today in a, this style and how how does that come about I mean that's it's an amazing yeah. talent creating just something I don't know you know writing writing a great blues tune is uh, there's so much mediocrity and same old shit in the blues market out there I agree with blues tune there's been so many I mean. I got to play with Jimmy Reed and Lightning Hopkins. You know? Wow. That's <clears throat> what how old better is, blues basically. songwriter? <laughs> who can do what Jimmy did or Chuck Berry did? Yeah. I mean, they're Innovation. the best rock blues songwriters ever, ever will be, you know? Willie Dixon. Come on. Willie Dixon. Yeah, no. But uh, I rarely sit down to write a straight blues tune because it's hard. Yeah, I mean it. it you got to you got to have a hopefully a storyline, but you know a hook, and then you know that I don't know where I learned this. Is you introduce a topic, then you introduce a conflict, say it on the B section or bridge, and in the chorus you resolve it hopefully positively. Okay, so there's a, a basic songwriting tool that you try to remember but you know we we know a friend who writes books on how to write hit songs even though they've never written a hit song <laughs> so right. you know for anybody to say there's rules on writing i don't think they know what the hell they're talking about you know yeah I, I, you know how many great songs have you heard uh, stays in one chord Exactly. With the group. And, you know, besides James Brown and uh, and Aretha, hello. Yeah, you know, know lots of lots of finding that. those ways to to uh, make it interesting as it'll, well. I, so you're not writing the same song over and over again, you know. And but having a singer in your house like Teresa, you know. <laughs> so as I'm writing, I'm trying to channel well. What are we doing here? Because I know she's going to sell it. I know yeah. that she's going to deliver it. And as time goes on, I, I sing more and more of my demos, but it's not anywhere near what she does. He's got me. a really nice voice, but he will not sing live ever. But one thing I want to say, though, about Terry's songwriters is if you listen to the songs almost when we have, what, we're working on our 12th one, right? But if you listen to them all, Almost every song, even the bluesiest ones, tend to have a positive message. That's good. That's, you know, that's very important. rarely is it 
you know, my baby loved me and I think I'm going to die or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's always, you know, it's, I mean, there's, there's those kinds of songs, but he always manages to put kind of a spin on it, which is nice. That's cool. That's right. important. I think. I think so. You know, being around great musicians like Teresa and Polly, Sarah, uh, that level of musicianship, if the song doesn't deliver, you can't be showing it to the guys. You can't, you know. <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to come through with it so they keep everybody's interest and fun up, you know. Yeah. Cause, and I think make them want to interject themselves into your storyline and yeah, idea. you got to give everybody yeah. the room on this, especially during COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, Polly's got a great studio at home. Uh, Daryl, our trumpet player, has got a great studio at home. Everybody can sit home and, and put parts on. So mm-hmm. it's not like being in a room and rehearsing and putting the pre-production arrangement together and, and harnessing everybody. It's just, you send it out, you kind of give them a note or a suggestion uh, or go, go listen to this tune. Yeah. Channel that on this record. Uh, the new one, he's about the new one that's the coming one. out. Okay. This new one, because everybody did the arrangements by themselves at home, kind of after we talked, I went and listened to the Aretha Franklin, Jerry Wexler, Spooner Oldham, Dan Penn mm-hmm. era. That's sort of where when we're When Aretha was brought okay. into Muscle Shows and she walked in, there was a bunch of white musicians. And she almost turned around and walked out. Yeah. You know what? There's a great video called Spooner Saves the Day or something. It's about- I'll have to see that. Oh, it's anyone. I'll send you a link. It's awesome. Well, think about. Yeah, they just, you know, they didn't know what to do with her. Yeah. Loved a man. They're like, what should we do? It's all on one board, man. You know, it's just like, we didn't know what to do with her. And we were just sitting there thinking, (laughs) well, this is a song. And, you know, and all of a sudden, Spooner just starts playing that. You know, that that never loved a man, you know. And, And then after that, it was just like, everybody just starts. They recorded it in like five minutes, and you know, wow. but but it was interesting with the pandemic thing because you go, I got the horn files from Daryl. Let's go check them out because you had no idea. Yeah, it's, it's, be it's like you unveiling know? the that your baby for the first time. Oh, there it is. Right. It's, gonna come out. it's a cool chemistry, but when you're working at this level with the Polly's and, and yeah. Daryl's and Teresa and Billy Watts and and the drummers that we have, it just you know it's going to be great, and the surprise takes you back sometimes. It it takes you a couple of days or a few hours to like, holy shit, what are, what what do we? I don't. Uh, it's just going to work, you know. Yeah, you don't know if you're hearing what you're actually hearing. Right, yeah. and then you know, a week, exactly. two weeks later, it's like, I love this. I love what you did. You know. Yeah. It was perfect, and it was something I didn't think of may not have come up with and everybody gets the freedom to put themselves into it that's so it, cool. it's really a cool interesting way to work it's just another way to work yeah know, that's so. what it is and uh i've done some stuff from here and uh yeah you just get maybe like a little something and then you just kind of send it out and the, oh hey i totally didn't expect that that's amazing really cool and and it's it's fun for me uh you know to give what i think your song needs or a little part and it, yeah, yeah. it's a really interesting collaborative way to to make music 
a d- new way. Yeah, it is, and it's it, it requires uh, like for for us to sort of let go a little bit of like yeah. expectations. But then when you when you see what people, to me, that's the whole key is that that's why you have great players with you mm-hmm. is to see what they bring, and then you all, you know then whatever that you know. There's been so many times where he'd send off the drum thing or the, or the you know, and then I'm saying, okay, well, I'll, I get to sing it again because yeah. now it's, whole, it's got a whole different thing. Yeah, I'm going to work with this guitar. You know, know, it's interesting where you think I'm arranging the song, I've written the song, and I'm arranging the thing. And then you send it out and say, well, learn my part, but make it better. You know, (laughs) pay attention to what I did, but then forget about it. You know, it's kind of hard to... Like cop the vibe. yeah, Yeah, you know, it's like... And then if they play it exactly the way you did, and it's like, well, fuck, no, man, I, I no, That's not I, what I meant. <laughs> I didn't really want you to learn my part, you know. Uh, so it's 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 a it's a good education to put so yourself. Through, we're you know? excited too on this new record. Uh, yeah, the yeah. concept was to get some of our favorite Texas guitar players on it. Oh, cool! So we've got oh my gosh, we've got. Um, uh, Anson Fundberg, we got uh, Johnny Lee Shell from Bonnie cool. Raitt's band. We wow. got Parks, who's like the, oh, the most. Parks is yeah, and he's a Legendary. Texas guy, man. You got to hear what he did on that one song. It's awesome. And cool. uh, we got James Pennebaker, who's a Fort Worth guy. Um, Leroy Parnell. Leroy Parnell. Wow. Snuffy Walden, who now is a huge television composer, but. And there, there's At heart, a, he's a, just a Texas blues There's guy. a kid who's the son of Kevin McKendry. You know who Kevin is? Yeah, yeah. Keyboard player with Delbert. His son is now 18, Yates McKendry, and he's been playing everything since he was three or four years old. And uh, we all thought he was an incredible keyboard player, B3 and piano player. And all of a sudden, he's playing guitar. And when he was a kid, he couldn't rap his hand around the neck he had to play it with his thumb oh wow so all his that. solo stuff he's, he's playing, like he's playing with his thumb. <laughs> and, uh, and those blue notes bang yeah you know, vibrato is so strong in he him. plays well the first time i heard him i was thinking it, i thought it was an old black blues guitar player Okay. It's so authentic. He's and uh, he's what eighteen touring with John Hyatt now. So I mean, wow. he's, he's he's an amazing he's young guy. So we got him on one song. He's not, you know, and it's I don't know. I'm I'm really excited about the new. That's awesome. New and album. and so you guys are, are you're pretty far along in the process. When do you think you'll? Is it you going to release it soon, or or is it finished? Finished? Uh, slated mid-August, so we'll have it when we okay. come over. To you. Okay, cool. We, so there'll yeah. be some new tunes. This time we actually teamed up with a, a label, which is okay. we've been doing ourselves, and they reached out. It's I don't know if you're familiar with Betsy Brown and Blind Raccoon. It's she's a. It's a I've heard of the the. Yep, I've heard of them. So you guys yeah, have out of Memphis and they have an arm now that's a record company, uh, Blue Heart. So it'll be like a collaboration between us and them. Okay. They'll help promote it and and it's great because they actually will take care of all the stuff that we're really bad at, you know, like bookkeeping and <laughs> mission and you know, the all not that fun kind of stuff. Musician you things. Know, they will 
they will do that. And, uh, and, but it's much more official, you know, it's like, and we need to have this by this date, you know, and we're like, yeah. Okay. Time to get to work. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's, it's an ongoing thing, you know, it's just like, Terry's so prolific and we love to play and it's just like, okay. And with the pandemic, man, Terry lived in the studio. Yeah, that. So, where where do you draw your inspiration from for this like creative songwriting? Is, is it from anything? Me. From no, me? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, old girlfriend. You, you have. You, I think you have. Uh, yeah, answers. <laughs> uh, you. I think you. It's a cyclical thing where if if I'm doing a lot of gigging and and touring a lot of times the writing part kind of just shuts down for a while and you're in your listening mode yeah mode as you're listening to other guitar players and other styles of music and every once in a while you'll hear somebody say something that's a good hook and i put it in my phone okay in my notes (laughs) and and a month later you start looking through your notes and through the years, I kind of learned as you read a hook line and you try to resolve it lyrically, then you start getting a, a feel of the groove, tempo, image. Uh, yeah. And then if you've been listening to certain people, whether it's Freddie King or Al Green or, or whoever or something, somebody more contemporary, then you just kind of start forming the image of what this song, what you want this song to do on this 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 lyric. The the inspiration it just comes from it, it, anywhere. Teresa and I built a house for her father to move into years ago, and I hired this retired contractor in our backyard. We didn't build him a big old fence. You know, and uh, it's uh, a nice house. And at a certain point. I had to fire the contractor because they were kind of milking us on, on the, the, mudge, the budget. Okay. And so you guys got to get out of here by the weekend. And that's because I'm going to write. And then on Monday, I just said, I'm going to start writing Monday. And I had some notes and stuff. And I wrote nine songs in eight days. Oh, wow. And pretty much wrote the whole record. Because once you got on a roll and, and you're you're hitting that subconscious, whatever that is, it just starts rolling and starts happening. And then for me, having a studio here, you can re- sometimes you start writing from a guitar point of view or a drum beat groove point of view than bass. But I play enough keyboards where as I'm putting keyboard parts down, I kind of hear what the guitar is going to do. Okay. And you start building the track and then you want your guys to come in to hear what you did and make it better. Yeah, yeah, build on it. Yeah, because I don't have the piano chops like Teresa does and, and other you know great players to have any real nuance or right-hand chops. So. Yeah, but you know what? He plays... Terry's really good at finding all the little pieces that fit together. Yeah, you have a you real know, creative... That's, that's, his arranging skills are just amazing. If you listen to our, you know... I love that live, the live album, the last one that we yeah. put out. I feel like you can really hear that. It's this, just like this, it all, just, you know, a little of this and this and this, and then you make the the whole stew just 
tastes so good, you know, it just gets Ben, awesome. you know, through the years, I've worked with some great keyboard players and, and some of them, the first guy that I worked with was John Rabbit Bundrick, the guy who was with The Who for years. Um, he was with the Who for 20-something years. I mean, wow. you know. And uh, it's crazy. He, he would play one note on his left hand and three notes on his right hand. He was never about a lot of notes. Yeah. Because he would be playing Farfisa organ with his right hand and piano with his left hand. His first setup was a Farfisa through a Leslie, and he, he had a way to play his Wurlitzer through the Leslie. Okay. And so, and that was back in high school, you know? So, uh, I learned early on being around him cause he was the first serious musician. Uh, this guy could, he, he couldn't do anything else, but he could do music. Okay. He was a born bred. Basically musician. translated. He was That's a it. huge mess. You know, was. If, if it was a social hang party, you may not wanted them there. Okay. <laughs> He's yes. the guy you would, uh, you would hide the booze from. You know, okay. So, so um, I, I think I was lucky to be around great players that I, I've learned and stole from through the years. Yeah. That's, uh, I, it's not even stealing. It's just, uh, it's developing cool. your ears and, and obviously a talent for writing. And that's really cool. Yeah. He's, he's, He's awesome, man. No, he's really, really, really great. But, but yeah, going back to what he said about stealing, it's it's not. I mean, that's how I went yeah. to school. I didn't ever take singing lessons or, you know, I was in the music department at the University of Houston for like a minute, you know, until I realized I should just go get a gig. You know, who, who was your first guitar player study that caught your ear? Uh, Warren Haynes. All right. Okay. That was, that was the... Uh... I was 13 and my dad had an extra ticket for the Allman Brothers. I had been playing guitar already, but it was kind of, you know, searching what I really like to play still, you know, is it really blues? Is it rock? Where am I going with this? And then when I heard what Warren Haynes was doing at an Allman Brothers concert, that was it. And then it was just down the rabbit hole, what he liked and where do I go from there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, yeah. That's how you learn, though. Yeah. Is pop, you know, as a, you know, teenager, young adult, man, I just, anytime I heard of a new singer that had something different, I would go and buy their record and Check listen it to it and think, how did they do that? Can I yeah. do that? How so, can I, you know, well, I want to, probably not, but now I know how to do it. So in yeah. other words, we're going to have to tap this when we come over in September. We're, we're going to want to tap this. Tap what? Warren Haynes. Warren Haynes, yeah. His yeah. influence. Yeah, I'm a big one. I mean, I probably owe him a few steak dinners for all those licks I stole. <laughs> no, it's funny. We were playing a gig um, to, oh, so many decades ago in Los Angeles, out in Calabasas, and um, at this just this restaurant bar, but it's kind of out where everybody, you know, all the nice homes are and stuff. But we're playing a gig, and Steve Cropper walked in, uh, and our guitar player just about melted down. Yeah, and, I would. And he's awesome. I mean, he's you know he's an amazing guitar lead player guy you know but he was just like i, I don't know what I, every lick i ever do i stole from this guy man <laughs> yeah. i don't oh you know he was just i'd never seen him anything but super cocky and <laughs> really you know yeah like, so and then was, the greatest soul guitar player walks in and just 
Yeah, That's it was it. hard. It was hard. Yeah, you listen to his stuff, how he simplified and played just the perfect chant. Oh, it's you it. know? Uh and his oh. leads, the tones mm. and everything. Um Teresa, Teresa came up across a good story speaking of guitar tones, which which is the one where the amp fell off the Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I also teach I've been teaching a history of uh, gospel and soul and R and B and American root. I mean I've been teaching you know, just because it's it's really interesting too, and I think it helps give context to the songs, you know, sure. but that, that I work with these guys on. But but yeah, talking about um uh I'm I'm blanking. Uh, the first rock and roll song is a lot of times credited for being uh, Ike Turner's uh, Rocket 88, mm -hmm. right? You know, there's a lot of them that are kind of up for it, including one by Sister Rosetta, which she just, I'm so in awe of that woman. But um, so anyway, but the story was that Ike and the, and the band were heading from a gig to hurry to get to Memphis to record. It's Sam Phillips? Um, yeah, Sun Records. Yeah. And, um, okay. And they had the amp strapped to the top of the car, and <laughs> it came. It fell off at one Just point, and, they, oh and it totally messed up the. It, it tore the speaker. We, I, I think, was the story. Yeah. And, and so he had that like that real distorted, distorted. And they just went ahead and used it anyway. That's all and I got. We're plugging in. Yeah. And there you That's go. Cool. That's rock the first really rock distortion. Like everybody went. That is so cool, man. So, <laughs> kids, need to do that. so kids out there, if you want to get that great guitar tone, get your daddy's amp on top of your car. <laughs> Drive down the freeway. Drive down the freeway. Oh, See what happens. Uh, so you guys, this is a really cool thing. You guys were nominated for a Grammy. How does that feel? I mean, well, that's like really. It's a life changer. I mean. Yeah. Did you I mean, expect it? Not, I mean, so far, what's what's ironic? I mean, there's so many things. I mean, we've been doing this for so many years and so many years, you know, mm -hmm. and we've always, we always submit our albums for Grammys. And honestly, the only reason really, because the first ballot with the Grammys is everybody that submitted, right? And uh -huh. so we just figured, you know, or at least I figured, that's one more time people will see our name. Yeah. It never actually, we never ever expected to ever get nominated, you know, and, and in fact, that morning when they announced the nominees, Tony Bronigal, our friend, producer, he was, the phone rang and he's like, congratulations. And I'm like, for what? And he goes, <laughs> your Grammy nomination. And I just went, shut up, go away, leave me alone. You know, it's like, you're, quit messing with yeah. us. It's 7 a.m., you know. <laughs> it's too early for this. 7 a.m. Quit messing with us, or at least wait till I'm awake, you know. And he goes, no, really, no, really. <laughs> wow. So it was a it's total fun, surprise. Just totally out of the blue. And wow. what's interesting is that other people that have, our friends who have done, had Grammys nominated or won or whatever, they said, well, you know, it's about an 18-month lag between when you get that and when you start seeing the difference in your gigs and the money okay. and stuff and of course exactly 18 months later we're in the middle of a pandemic so it's like yeah okay yeah but that's i mean that's a huge uh i guess accomplishment from like just like respect from people that listen to blues music they really appreciate well, people you know. really do react differently now yeah. they do because it's like 
you know, it's it's like sometimes when you're doing a set where it's like mostly original and people aren't really sure whether you're good or not because they haven't heard it before. Yeah. And they don't know, they think you're really good. And then you do a cover and they go, oh, wow, that was awesome. They must be, well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And not to, not to make it sound like people are ignorant, but it's just hard. You know, and the same thing with name recognition and branding. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah I've heard them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Grammy nominated. Oh, well, they must be good. Some people, so people most like listen this. with different ears. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, that's really cool. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, you didn't win, but I think your future is bright. This is it's only up from there, I think. Keep Thank submitting. You. Well, we do, too. And, you know, it's funny because the odds, I mean, we don't have management. Yeah. We have a record label. I love that. We don't have any, you know, any of that. And then to get nominated, I, you know, we were very fortunate to have Ed Cherney, who is a world-class, you know, mixer, sound engineer. Um, he's an, an old friend and, and he mixed the album for us. Okay. And I know even just around everywhere, you know, he says, here's a hit, check out an album. And people would say, oh, Ed Cherney. So I'm sure that, people listened with different ears on the Grammy committees. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Just yeah. Like, oh, wow. Okay. He, you know, whatever. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's a really good album. It yeah. really is. Terry. Here in Babylon. I like this album. It was, it was the first one that was recommended to me. Really? You know, by Paul. He said, Hey, check, check out Teresa James, check out here in Babylon. And then he, and then he linked us up. So that's really oh, cool. That is so cute. Paulie. I just, He's the best. Bali is the best. And he just had his live gig yesterday at the Baked Potato. First one back, so. Well, and you know what else? That was the first time they opened. Yeah. They're... Having him be the guy that opened up the Baked Potato in Hollywood is like, you know. It's cool. And he's not the only one that thinks he's amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Paulie is the best. He's just, he's a lot of fun and. He's, he's just great the on the road. He is so oh. great on the road. Yeah, he's, uh, he's the fun just, on the road. Paul is just, uh, just now coming into his own. Yeah. He, you know. He's got big things ahead. Spending four or five years on the road with Joe Bonamassa, which is great, and we got him some recognition, but he's got the confidence with us. He's such a great singer and great yeah. keyboard player. Such a great being singer. A great horn player, you know. He can do yeah. it all, and he he's, knows it. And his like, keyboard playing is awesome. It's yeah, kind of, he's really. always oh, oh, I'm a bit shy. I'm like, man, I like it because it's kind of simplified in a way, and it's it's kind of just like classic Wurlitzer playing. There's nothing to be shy about. It's not really. It's not about licks. Any any no. instrument, I don't think it's you know. I mean, just check out BB King with the one note that holds over four bars. You know, that's what. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about. The singing for me is just like, does it make you feel something, or are you just want to go, oh wow, that was impressive. You sure played a lot of notes. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> you know, it's useless like useless information. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Get about... to the point, and yeah, he Paul is fun, and he's always he's always uh, he he always does cool things for us. Eva and I, you know, he's hey. He'll just we'll just get an e uh, a text message or check your email and there'll be an email. Hey, uh, meet Teresa and Terry, and then just leave the conversation. And now we're having a podcast and playing some shows. That that's Paulie. He just does cool shit like that. 
He does. He's he's wide open and just so generous and yeah. always upbeat. Always. And yeah, he knows how to pretty much make everybody laugh all the time. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> kind of hard to drive sometimes if he just gets on his, you know, his roll and you're like, man, I, I, I can't drive. I'm just well, laughing too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Finish the story. I'll pull over. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Nice. So you got a new record coming out. You got a Grammy nomination. You got a live album, which was a culmination of past current members, past members, all of your music. Uh, where did you record it live? There, there was a club that was part of a uh, uh, country club, golf course. Hotel. Hotel. Okay. Place. And the guy that helped fund the music part of it is a an attorney lawyer that we've become buddies with, but he's actually a really, really good, good piano player. player. He grew okay. up in San Francisco, uh, grew up around the Grateful Dead guys and Boss Gags and that whole community up there. And he kind of was the, the ramrod on organizing bogeys. It was a great music venue that spent some money on the lighting, staging, great sound equipment, brought in great engineers. And uh, uh, it's on the outskirts. It's north of L.A., northwest of L.A. It's kind of not in the middle of the town, so it's kinda, it was kind of hard to get people out there. Okay. But uh, we were playing there pretty steady for a while and we recorded five nights over a year and a half. Okay. And so we had three different drummers, five different horn players, uh, different combinations of horn players. And, uh, and it was, we would just record every night that we'd play in there. And, and then I would bring the, the data home and I just kept stockpiling and then started finding which, tunes were were happening the most and then we wanted a certain mix of different drummers and horn players so everybody kind of had an equal share of time time wise uh and it was it was cool it just, it just was, you should have seen though his bookkeeping because we do like two sets so that's 10 sets of music with wow. a lot of the same overlap of songs and it's like okay Okay, which version of In the Pink is this one? Yeah. Okay, which ver you know, it's just like, he was like, ah, I can't, you know, it was funny. Yeah, live recording, especially when you're talking over five, five nights over a year and a half. Yeah, know? some so options. It uh, logistically became kind of a challenge and it was. He uh, did a great job though. I just, I love that album. I mean, yeah, you know. Great. Live albums don't ever tend to really do quite as well. You know, the people who love live albums love them. Yeah, know, love I'm them. one of those people, like... Uh, to me, if you want to hear what somebody really exactly. sounds like, that's where you cannot... Yeah, exactly. Heard, you know, so... I used to work for a record distributor in, when I lived in Houston as a day job to have health insurance back when you did had health insurance for part-time jobs. But, <laughs> but so, and they would always have tickets and I would always take them. And it was like, you'd hear the record and you'd think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd go and you're like, these no, were the no, days no. before auto-tune, you know? And you're yeah. just like, Ooh. Wow. but the good singers are so much better live. Yeah, exactly. And a band that's good, their live album really kind of yeah, takes it I'm, up a step. I remember my first live album that really moved me and it became 
Peter Frampton. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> was uh, uh, Donny Hathaway. <gasps> oh, that's a classic. Yeah. And it's, Jeez. in my book, it's the best live album ever. Uh, yeah. The grooves, and you got a 17-year-old bass player in Willie Weeks. Yeah. Playing, and it's just smoking. And, and uh, uh, they did a lot of post-production for that record to sound the way it did because... Donnie's playing the whirly live, but every once in a while you're going to hear a grand piano in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a little funky. Uh, and so th they did a lot of post work, uh, which doesn't matter. The end result, the sum of those parts. But the performance, the the main aspects of the yeah. performance cannot lie, and you can't. You know, that's the thing about doing a, a recording live is that. You can't really go back and fix it. There's no erasing it. It's either going to be a good show or a bad show. and Every vocal is yeah. going to be picked up on the drum mics. And so, you know. Yeah. You just have to earn own that, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, you have to own it. That's And it's going to be a live record. And that's it. Yeah. No, I love I love live records. And I like your live records. So Thanks. That's, that's cool. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to playing some songs. Well, you can tell guys. from the live record, too. How much fun we have yeah this is yeah. I, that's, that's, what you like that's about great this one is it, i feel like it comes across that we're just like going for it you know yeah yeah just gotta put it out there and play and it, that's what i like about live records is kind of it transports you into the room you know yeah that's and important. i get really frustrated especially a lot of a lot of artists it feels like the, that i haven't seen that many but the few younger i mean more current type people it's just like here's my record and i'm gonna take that and i'm gonna set that on the stage yeah. and it's gonna, you know what i mean it's like yeah. to me when i sing live i really try to always be in the moment and to not get too like caught in a you know it's just exactly. like i mean obviously there's things in songs that i know really work and they're really fun to sing so i do that the same every time but i i try to also give myself room to like just go off you know feel, feel and, the room be yourself yeah. yeah, and if it's if it's fun, you know, well, let's let's keep that vamp going a little bit, Improvise you know, and let me stretch out, you know. Yeah, it's fun. and the same for players, you know. It's just yep. that's why people go to live shows. That's what I had one friend go see Delbert one time, and he loves Delbert, but he said, you know, he didn't say one word on stage. I could have just stayed home and listened to the record, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, people <laughs> want to feel that personality. Yeah, they want to feel like, you know. For me, it's a total back and forth between the the audience listener and the musicians on stage. It, ha it has to be this kind of uh, like a volleyball, you know, back and forth. Because if they're digging it, that makes me even deeper into what I'm doing. And I'm loving it then. It yeah. just creates this energy, yeah. this little loop thing that just... Absolutely. You know, I mean... You know, I mean, music, sound, music is sound is vibration. And, you know, and we're exactly. made up of vibrating atoms, you know. So it's like it makes sense that it would just like sometimes they just line up and it's just awesome. Yep. You and know? when it's kicking, it's kicking. Yeah. That's and it. fun. That's, and you know, fun. Yeah. that's what I always tell my students. It's like, don't forget. You know, I mean, I remember going to see Keith Jarrett one time and he was just so freaking serious and just yeah. intense. And I was like. It's a bad I'm vibe. I don't care how good it is, really. It's not drawing. I'm not engaged. You know, it's yeah. perfect. It's all perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Music should be fun. Even the and saddest songs have to be fun. You know, you know, you have to relive the 
the emotion of the song to replay it and it's yes, it's gotta exactly. be all one thing in the moment you gotta in be the in the moment with absolutely it. and whatever you're going through at the time should be reflected in what you're doing I yeah think. so i can tell you this our first few gigs back are going to be amazingly joyous can yeah I just <laughs> yeah you're gonna just go up there and I, i'm i can't wait i'm so excited I, I, it's gonna be fun yeah. yeah speaking of gigs we actually at the we've pushed it a few times now but we're gonna i think officially do it this year you guys are gonna come over at the uh, end of october yeah knock on wood uh early november and i'm really excited like you said i hear the music it sounds fun i'm looking forward to playing it um and we're gonna announce the dates pretty soon i think but where can people find out more about you where wherever you're playing in la or in america in europe and where can they buy your music our website is under construction right now it's we've had the same website basically way too long so and and, um the fellow that we were doing it passed away actually so we're kind of if you go to our website right this minute it'll be all old stuff you know what okay. I mean? So it's been reinvented in any week now. It's going to be. It'll probably be up and running by the middle of May. Okay, so, so at that point, people can start checking our dates and things. Okay. I don't have the ability to update the one that's there. Yeah, yeah you're kind of locked out of it. You know, so, but yeah, normally TeresaJames.com, and you can still contact me through that, and you can buy okay. our music through that. Okay. And you're you also. That, and, um, but also, you know, we tend to post, we have a, a Facebook page where we'll post things. We just haven't had much to post lately. Yeah, there's nothing to post. It's kind of, yeah, that's kind of why I came with the podcast. I wanted to still engage with people about music. And I said, okay, how else can I do this? I can't play a gig. Let's make a, a let's have some chats and record them. And- well, you know what? I think I think this kind of thing is going to endure after the pandemic is long so. because I think it's it is nice to be able to be home and turn on something and see people and you know and and be it, be connected with the world while yeah, you're at home. Exactly. You know? I mean, that's how. I'll, I mean, this is the longest I've been away from my parents and and brother, um, not being able to go back home to Long Island and visit them. So, what do we have? We have, you know. Imagine if this was the you know pre-internet, we'd be sending letters. <laughs> I know, letters yeah. are cool though. Letters I'm are so- cool. Letters, I'm way into the post office. Yeah, I'm you know because there's, I mean yeah you can go back and reread an email. It's different it's than not- holding it like the actual paper. And you know it's just like I look at my mom's old letters that she sent me and I see her handwriting. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there's just a more, it's just a much more personal connection. Absolutely. And it's still nice when you get like a birthday card in the mail or something, or you get something in the mail that's not a bill, you know? Exactly. It's like, whoa. Like, whoa, cool. Someone actually thought of me. That's why we order so much online. So we, (laughs) oh boy, something came to our house. Right. What was this? I don't even remember ordering this, you know? Yeah, and then you're like, uh, or you become like first name basis with like your delivery guy. (laughs) Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Nice to see you again. Oh, you ordered again. Yeah, yeah, can't go anywhere. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I mean, I don't know. The the pandemic thing has been a mixed blessing and curse. You know what I mean? 
I, I miss playing, but it's brought families together and it really has helped you to me. It's helped me realize what's important. Absolutely. What's I agree really heavily important. with that. And my dad just passed away in uh, August of last year, oh, but sorry. because of the pandemic and we had built a house in our yard for him. So he was close, you know, and mm -hmm. it just really allowed me to spend unlimited amounts of time with him. Yeah. You know, every night, of course, Terry was in the studio all the time. So every night I would go up and we would spend, you know, an hour and a half, a couple hours together hanging out. And I would not have had that time. Yeah. That's kind of, that's beautiful. Yeah. So it was, that was very special. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, and now our son-in-law, our daughter and our son-in-law live in my dad's house. Okay. In the yard. And he was, uh, he's a touring musician with an actual great band called the band of i Eden. know i i found out recently i'm a major fan of this band they're awesome, they're great, great, great awesome. and our son is the bass player so our son and our son-in-law are oh, the wow. rhythm for that band well you can and tell them awesome. we're big fans we saw them uh they played here i guess it was maybe 2017 or 18 and uh the local promoter is a really good friend of mine he said you should really come check this band out we haven't heard of them before and yeah, Band of Heathens it was, and we stepped They're in the room. They're one of the bands, oh. great songs, great vocals, great players. And and they it's the thing I love about them is that they have this thing, you know, they have the song, everything's all worked out. So, and yet live, it still kind of breathes, yeah. you know? They can let it stretch out and it comes, you know, I mean, it's... They're amazing. Yeah. But anyway, so obviously they're a touring band, basically. So they haven't been touring. And our daughter was running a, um, a yoga center. Here, okay which of course closed down yeah. so we just all kind of agree so why don't you just come live there and save your money and quit trying to squeeze out rent every month you know cool. so it's it's actually been really fun because like on it's like hey richard come put a percussion part down oh, hey cool. Lucy, you know we've had a men doing background vocals on the new record yeah great hey it's a they're people they're musicians come on and play with us and why not exactly cool. Yeah, so I'm so that's so cool that you're fans of theirs. Oh, major fans, like uh, yeah. When when I think Terry wrote it in one of the first emails. Yeah, do you know the band of Heathens were like yeah. <laughs> so cool. Major yeah, fans. and it's I know I'm we're such you know band parents sort of now. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> so them in the band, it's funny. No, I end up we're actually hopefully that they also come back to Europe because. Uh, it was a great show, and I, I want to see him again. You know, I'm sure they. I'm sure they will. As soon as come, ben <laughs> says, have, "Come back." They have really good um, organization behind them. Okay, that's and good. they're really. I mean, two of the guys went to business school at Dartmouth. I mean, they're like okay, they get it like that other they side. Run it like a business kind of. Yeah. You know? So they're. I'm sure they'll be back because they they do well there. I mean. Yeah. The music's such a cool blend of like Amer just a different kinds of American music. You know? Yeah, I was a little upset that they I didn't know them. You know, like how come I haven't heard of this band right. before? Well, they got a big boost uh, in twenty was it 2020, 2019? One yeah. of those years. One of the uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. One of the contestants on American Idol did one of their songs. Oh wow! So did Hurricane, which is actually, I think it's an old band song, but they have the version that's the most famous. So, yeah, so that gave them a huge boost. Cool. No, Fantastic. Yep. So we have Teresa James and the Rhythm Tramps coming over. 
and we need the band of heathens coming over. There you go. That's, That's what we were. We were teasing them before. Like maybe they'll let us open for them. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love that. I, I've got to mention the show every night. <laughs> our really? our son's girlfriend. Girlfriend. Uh, I got to mention her. Are you familiar with Nikki Bloom? Absolutely. That's his. This is our son's girlfriend. They're, oh wow! So you just yeah. have a whole musical family going on there. The musical family is spreading. Wow! And more than one. So yeah. Is uh yeah. Nikki Bloom in the Gramblers or the Ramblers? Was it? Exactly. Yeah, the, the Gramblers. Ramblers. Right. Exactly. I think I've seen them many years ago. Maybe when they're first starting out. Yeah, she's a great songwriter yeah, a great singer. And, singer, and she's been so it's kind of cool because the the band of heathens have been doing a weekly. Uh, yeah, this like uh, video, YouTube. Show kind of it. And because Jesse and Nikki are together, she always comes on and does a song or, cool. you know, I mean, it's it's kind of now she's a she's a heathen. Yeah, <laughs> for better or worse, you are now a heathen. Right, exactly. <laughs> awesome. And to close it out, I think we're going to play a song from the live uh, album, Easier Said Than Done. Uh, tell us a little bit about this song. I... I have to admit, I ripped off paying tribute to the staple singers. Uh, came up with this intro bass part, and it's, that started the thing. And uh, it seems like on all our records, all our studio records, we pay homage to somebody, you know, whether it's Aretha or Green. Staple singers. I like going back and kind of paying tribute to where we get our roots from. I, I cool. think it's okay to do that. I 100%. This song came from more of a staple singers kind of vibe, I think. This is one of those songs where I was talking about earlier where he, he just, everything fits together so perfectly, kind of, you know, on the background vocal. I mean, every, I just, I like this song a lot. It's really fun to sing. In awesome. Country. It's fun to play, too. Killer. I'm looking forward to it, then. Looking forward to playing it, that is. Both <laughs> on the show and on, on stage. <laughs> Man, thanks so much for hanging with us. Yeah, thanks this. for coming on. Really looking forward to coming over and playing with you and get to know you better. And, for and, sure. Uh, and it's Ava or Eva? Eva. E-V-A. Eva. And getting to know Eva better, so... Thank you so much for. Absolutely, I'm. Yeah, thank man. Paulie for hooking us up, linking us up. Exactly. That that's all, Paulie Sarah. So, yeah, you guys have a great day, and uh, I'll have a good evening, I guess now night. <laughs> and uh, what time is it there? It's like uh, ten forty-five. It's not so uh, late. It's just like. Uh, yes, yeah, not like, even the. It's like first lunchtime for a musician. First, yeah. you're still on the first set. Come yeah, on. Yeah, this is uh this is almost beer break. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. Awesome, guys. Have a great one. And uh, yeah, let's talk soon. Absolutely. Thank, you, right, so thank you so much. Hey!
response a blues podcast if you've enjoyed this episode please follow and subscribe to be notified when another blues filled episode is released